Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adi with me again. We are going through the book of Corinthians. We are now in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we have gone as far as verse 132 where it talks about the spirit of the prophets as subject to the prophets. And I said in the earlier podcast that God is not forcing anybody to do anything or say anything. When the Holy Ghost is in you and you want to prophesy in the house of you, you have, to, or you have the liberty to shut it down yourself and don't say anything and it won't force you. That is the gentleness of the Holy Ghost. If a demon is a one that is doing those things, like we call in some churches, they call spiritual churches, they are not the Holy Spirit. Something came upon them and they, they are shaking and trembling and happy. And that's not the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is gentle in you and it can prophesy. When you are shaking and trembling and they have to hold you down not to knock your head on the floor, those are all religious demons. We've seen them in some spiritual church, I won't mention church names. But those are the things that you have seen among some of those Edenic churches or you know, even Edenic groups. I remember somebody that that saw a minister do that, shaking and trembling, and that person this is like what he has seen in the Hinduism. And he was scared that is this a church? This looks like Hinduism also. Because they have those type of things also in, in some of those false religions. Hinduism has some of those uh shaking and trembling and knocking themselves on the floor and they know that it's a demon. So if a if a church has people like that and they think that's the only good because it's shaking and trembling, they have to hold him up and before he falls down and he's they say it's a demon. Those who have experienced this in the first thing you say that's a demon. There's some so on on unmanaged groups you think that's the only ghost, only ghost. Careful. Holy ghost is <laughs> You say whether well, you are you are you are slain in spirit or you are what do you call it? You are drunk in the spirit, that's why you have Chicken and trembling and being knocked on the floor, being knocked on your head. You can enjoy yourself like that. Also. But those are all the things that only demons manifest. Holy Ghost does not. Not that he couldn't do it, does not do that. That's why he said the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That's what Apostle Paul is saying here. The God is a God of gentleness and peace, and it's not going to force you to do anything. You give a gentle nudge to do it, and then you release yourself to him and you speak prophesy to you. You speak and prophesy to you. Remember that. But if he's knocking your head on the floor, uh, take a sample in the book of First Samuel. When the demons, when, if I say when the spirit of God left Apostle, uh, left Saul, the king Saul, when the spirit of God left King Saul, another spirit took over, which is demonic spirit. That spirit also can prophesy. But you see, the difference is when he was prophesying, he was raging and mad and knocking himself on the floor. In fact, you can read it in the book of 1 Samuel. Saul, King Saul went towards Samuel and said he tore himself low. He was sleeping naked on the floor, rolling on the floor. It was not the spirit of God. It was demon in him. So that's why we say the spirit of God is gentle. Those prophets, when they are prophesying, they are dancing. You can dance, you can praise God, you can be speaking in tongues. That's what they are prophesying. See? But when it was a demon in Saul, he was jumping, knocking himself on the floor and rolling on the floor and he was still saying things like a prophecy. But he tore his own clothes out and he was naked when he went after Prophet Samuel and after David. So that's how we know that the demons are uncontrolled, uh, uncontrolled when they manifest it unless you cast that demon out. The same thing you see when you just cast that demon out of the Lutheran boy. He said he never tore the boy and fell down, foaming from his mouth, rolling on the floor. That's how those demons manifest. They can be religious wonders. We also will prophesy. But all those manifestations will be showing up. And the Lord just cast the demon out, and the, man, the young man became calm. When the Holy Ghost is in you, it should be peace, joy, 
the gentleness and you can prophesy without you shaking and trembling, nothing right on the floor. And have to, they have to hold you down. But you've seen some of those uh, really spiritual, spiritualist churches. So that's why I'm trying to point that one out. Remember it that our God is, is gentle and the spirit of the prophet, verse 32 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, is what you are explaining. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 32 say, this, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Not the not reverse. They, they are subject to the prophets. You can shut them down and not speak what is coming to you. If the Holy Ghost, it doesn't force you. Verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Verse 34, let your, now he's going to talk about women. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also say the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What? Now, this Bible verse 34 and 35 has been a bone of contention for the what you call modern churches. Modern churches. Even in American churches, because the way like women liberation is make it more, much more conf confrontational. See? It's not saying they shouldn't prophesy because Holy Ghost gives you what people can sing. Most of the singing is by women. So it's not talking about the close thing. But you see, when he's taking the talking in the church, I don't think he's talking about the cannot prophesy. Because we know that in the in the actual apostles, they went to the house of Philip the Evangelist. He said he asked four daughters that were prophesying. Prophesying means the Holy Spirit gave you something to say to the congregation, you say it out. That they are still, still speaking also. But when he said they shouldn't speak, he's talking about when he's when we want to do uh by a church discussion of how to organize these things. So those are administrative things where well, then you 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 want all men to be in charge of that because uh, that's what the speaking church that is really that we believe is really talking about and uh, not the fact that the Holy Ghost cannot minister to you well we say, well, some churches are pastors but are women and that has in this generation of course but in the earlier generation there are nothing like that that pastors are women but the Holy Ghost can speak through the women and give them prophecy and most of the other churches, they are the Sunday school teachers for the children. And also, Apostle Paul, the same Apostle Paul said, older women teach younger women. That's by their character, by their words, by exhortation. Whether they have to gather them together in a, in a congregation and teach them, that's, that's, that could be a forum that they want to use. But that's still speaking also. But it's not, and, but when he says teach younger women, he's talking about Con communicating with them and you know, all like uh, counseling the younger women how to help their husband, how to nurse their children, how to help the family, how to hold the family together. Older women teach younger women. So that is also speaking. But in the one he's talking about, when he say, let them learn from their husband. So he's talking about the organizing of the church, administrative things that men may have to discuss. He said, keep the women out of it. That's what he's talking about. Let the men do the discussion. If the woman wants to find out what's going on, so alarm from your husband when you get to your husband, she'll tell you. So, someone say, What about the women that have no husband? Well, they, if they are under their father, the father will tell you they are part of the church. But he's saying they shouldn't be part of that uh, administrative thing, especially what he's talking about. But of course, some people are going to oppose it. That's why if I start to say, What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? 
Yeah, because you know that even the gentile church, there was not that order of women taking the back seat where the husband is there. But they are already having the women liberation in their church. That's why he said, well, does the word of God come from you or only, only to you? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So Apostle Paul is now putting his foot down and saying, what I'm saying is the commandment of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, comfort to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. So he was talking about things done in decency and in order in the churches. And part of the decency and that is when he said women should just keep quiet when it comes to administrative things that they are saying in the church. The men are discussing things, women can stand up and enter and want to put opinion that brother X gets offended. But the wife gets offended because this woman is siding her husband, siding with her husband. So all the type of things he said, let women keep siding in the church. They learn it when they get to whatever you're going on, your husband will tell you. But not like the Chrome professor, I know he's not talking about that. Can they teach? He has already said in another place that he does not allow women to teach or use authority over men. But they can teach in children, of course. They teach on the school of teenagers, of course. Those are people that are under the jurisdiction of the of the women. They said that when they are in the congregation to the all to the men and our husband, they should keep silence when they are congregation. They could be doing whatever they want to do in their household, where the some women are almost dominating their husband. Whether that's in their household, they could not follow the piece of the word of God that has laid down, then they are offending also. Because he has already said the head of, of, of the man is, is is Christ and the head of the woman is the man. If that is reversed in the household, they will really have problem with the Lord. Why? Because God wants to lead through the head down. So if the head is no more the head and the woman is usurping authority, there's a division, there's confusion in that household in itself. And that those are the things that a woman of God should humble yourself. Humility. And submit to these precepts of the word of God. When God gave me a ministry, I must go and show my ministry. Apart from the husband. That's a rebellion already started right there. Many, this is a generation that is that is going through that. God give you a ministry apart from the husband, and very soon they are separated in the household because she is going ahead, going to do all the things that the husband does not approve of. And he said, God is the one that told her to go do that. And very soon they are said, God does not, it's not the author of confusion. He said, but if the husband is unbeliever, well, there's another section for that. If you are married to an unbeliever, there's another section for that. If, if they want to, if the mouse brother still want to live with you, fine. But if they want, they will have pack and live and say, I don't like this religion. No, but just yes, another section for that in first Corinthians chapter seven. He was addressing that. So, but say for the godly woman, you want to submit to the humility that God said that you are to be submissive to your husband and be subordinate to your husband. Subordinate, subordination doesn't mean you are not uh, highly educated. You are taking to be a wife. The sub, that shows a subordination position. That's really what the Lord and God blesses that subordination position, especially so that when you are giving some suggestion, not command to your husband, suggestion that is from the Holy Ghost in you, a husband that is free with the Holy Spirit will recognize that the, that is guidance from the Lord. But if you think your suggestion must be done by your husband, otherwise you are out of here, then you are also 
proud. Because God resisted the proud. You remember that? You are to suggest to your husband and say, Do not permit you to do that. This is what I think you should do. And if the husband says, No, 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 I don't think so. Just follow what your husband wants to do. Because you are expected to be help me. If I'm helping this man, let's say he's a carpenter, I'm helping him. And I say, No, carpenter, don't cut this section. If you cut that section, I say, No, no, this is how I cut it. And I say, Well, if you cut, if you don't cut the section I want, I'm out of here. Then I'm not helping him. I'm trying to dictate to him. Help me. This is what God created when He created a woman for your man. Someone says, Does that mean for every man? No, for your husband. If you have no husband, you will pray that God give you an husband. They don't turn things upside down in the local church. Now that's uh that's the end of first Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to go into chapter 15. And I pray that the Lord give you the wisdom and the humility to obey these scriptures. Chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Now he's going to address some other topic here, which has to do with the resurrection, which is the doctrine of the church. Which in that generation, the first Corinthians, the book of the Corinthians, or the Corinthians were having problem about it or debating. Maybe it's already over. Maybe there's no resurrection because the the Jews that claimed to be Sadducees didn't believe resurrection. Even the days of our Lord Jesus Christ, they have the uh, doctrine that said there is no spirits. They don't know what they mean by God. If they have, if they don't believe there are spirits. They don't believe there is going to be resurrection, but they still fellowship in their temple, maybe they think God is just a force, you know, like these new ages. You see, God is just a force, like a wave, that they can tap into that wave. You see, that's new age, new age system, new age doctrine, which is false. God is a spirit, and angels are God created as spirits. And we are spirits into this body God has put us into this physical body. So this is our house, physical body. And the physical body is supposed to live forever, the way God created Adam, we didn't plan him to die and throw the body away. That was immortality was given to Adam, but he lost it. And that's why human beings were born without that covering. But Christ has brought us back so that he can give us back that immortality. That is the gospel. And there will be a resurrection where God is going to bring all the dead in Christ first back to life and give them a body that is immortal, just like our Lord Jesus Christ's body now is immortal. And there will be those that are alive and they don't have to throw away this body. They will change to a mortal body in the rapture. That is what we preach. And that is both the that is both what Christ has symbolized for us. He came back alive, took this same body that was in the grave for three days, took it out and make it a mortal body that has light now. And, also. and that is the same type of body that we are going to have when we are translated without physically going to the grave. But those that have gone to the grave. Right now, their body, physical body, has rotted in the grave, left with bones or ashes. Also, those are the ones God is going to resurrect them, give them a new body that will be mortal. So that is the plan. But see, the Corinthians in that in this in this generation of the Corinthians, they have problem with this understanding of this resurrection thing. So they are thinking it's over or there's nothing like that because they have been hearing stories from the Sadducees or some people who are hearing what the Sadducees say. Or thinking maybe that's what, and then Apostle Paul is going to address it in this chapter 15. Let's read on. Say, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Say, you receive this gospel, but don't be shaken by time. You've been taking too long, it's not happened yet. People begin to lose their standing. 
by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that, that which I also received. So I received it from the Lord, and I delivered unto you. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So it started from the foundation. We, that's what we preach to you, that Christ died for our sins. He didn't just die because he was a criminal by the Romans killing him. No, he died for our sins. Purposely laid down his life. He didn't do anything wrong. Even the Romans knew that he didn't do anything wrong. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is, even everything that was happened was already predicted in the scriptures before Christ came and he fulfilled it. And that he was seen after he resurrected. He was seen of Sivas, that's Apostle Peter. Then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain until this present, but some are fallen asleep, that is, by the time he was writing this letter, he was reporting that when Christ resurrected from the dead, he showed himself to Peter, he showed himself to the twelve of them, he showed himself to many of them, and then after, he showed himself to almost five hundred of them when they all saw him at one time. He said, many of them are still alive, some of them have gone on, by the time he was writing this letter, many of those five hundred are still alive, some of them have gone Fallen asleep. That is, they are dead. Just to show that there are evidences. People that saw it, they saw him after he resurrected. So why is he not showing himself to everybody? Then since then, he's still showing himself to people. When he wants to, he don't demand it. He has shown himself to me. I saw him. Visited my house. It's not Jesus Christ. And he still showing himself to people as see desires. And he said, "You won't see me no more, but you see me, because it's alive forever." So Apostle Paul is more or less reminding them that these things that we preach to you, there are testimonies, witnesses that are still alive, that saw him. But since after that, he was seen of James, that James also recorded that he saw, he saw our Lord Jesus Christ. James, his brother Jesus Christ, he saw his Lord Jesus Christ, he came back to wisdom, he came to, to show himself to James, who knew him when he was alive, and saw that he was buried, dead and buried, and saw that he resurrected, he heard that he, heard that he was resurrected. But now he, he, he Lord manifested himself to him also. He said, and last of all, verse 8, he was seen of me also. He said, last of all, does something that that doesn't mean that Christ cannot show himself anymore since that time. No. The bond says that he was talking about himself that lastly I saw him too. As of one born out of due time, when the apostle Paul seen him, he saw him when he was on the road to Damascus. He said he just saw a lie, yeah. He was inside that lie was the Lord Jesus Christ, and he spoke and he heard his voice. A light can't just speak unless there's somebody speaking from the light. Also. But then he said he also saw him in the vision. So he knew that this same logic that was in the light was one that showed himself to him in the vision, perhaps. What he said, I saw him. He said, I'm the least of the apostles that I'm not made to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So he was giving his own resume right now. I said, I also saw him and I labored because of what he has sent me to do. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believe. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, I'll say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. So it's not questioning them. We preach to you that Christ rose from the dead. Many people saw him. I even saw him myself. Why are you now saying that there is no resurrection of the dead? As a question for them. 
was starting grace. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith also in vain. Or we have found false witness of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that dead rise not. Because if they are given a blanket, blanket declaration that there is no resurrection of the dead, then you are saying that Christ didn't rise from the dead. Because he rose from the dead, never to die again. I'm talking of raised raise from the dead. Resurrection is different from just calling somebody back to life that will die again after some time. Because if he's back to life to this mortal body, maybe 10 years later, 15 years later, he could die again. But when he's resurrected into the immortal body, which is the one we are talking about, which is the one Christ rose up, took up his body and make it immortal now from that time forward because it was not to be it was not going to die anymore. These dead in Christ that are their bodies already rotten in the grave will also be resurrected into a new body, immortal body that never die anymore. The dead that the saints that rose up with Christ and went up with him, they were given a body that will never die anymore. When we are changed in the rapture, we are given a body that will never die anymore. So that is the resurrection we are talking about and that is coming. And that is what he is preaching that we have said that it is the first one has been shown to us christ did it first and i come and say there will be no resurrection i mean this is already started so he went further in verse 15 verse 16 said for if the dead rise not then is not christ raised and if christ be not raised your faith is vain and you are yet in your sins if christ is not raised from the dead we are we we, are, we cannot be saved Verse 16 says, Then they also which are falling in, asleep in Christ are praised. If, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. That is, our hope is not just for this physical life that we are in right now. Our hope is that there's going to be a resurrection. It's a new world coming. That is the hope of the saints. So if somebody said there will be no resurrection, that means you are saying the dead in Christ are not going to come back alive like the Bible says. That's it. That, that will not be what everybody is hoping for. Verse 20. Say, but now is Christ risen from the dead. Believe it. And he has become the first fruits of them that slept. Jesus Christ is the first one to rise from the dead. That's what God planned. That's why he waited. All the dead saints were waiting in paradise until the Christ came there and brought them out. Himself came out back alive. And the first fruits resurrection is already taking place. The first fruits resurrection. First fruits is already taking place. Like I was sharing in some of my preaching, this planet according to the parable of Jesus Christ, is the field that God has planted. He said, the Son of Man is the one that planted this field. When you plant a field, you want to harvest the crops. And the crops that is being harvested, that God is harvesting, is human beings. They are the crops he's harvesting. He's harvesting them into his kingdom. And it started when you are harvesting the field, you go there first and see there is a first fruit. You take the first fruit out, and that's where the beginning of the harvest. The others are still ripening. So what is the human being that has been ripening? We are ripening to holiness. We are ripening to righteousness. We are ripening to be like Christ. That is what Christ has come to establish. So Christ is the first fruit, and the, say, the dead in Christ that he took out of the grave, its dead sins, are the first fruit that went up to heaven. Now it's waiting until the first resurrection, which will happen in the book of Revelation chapter 20. The dead in Christ will rise first. And we believe that at the same time that those that are alive, that are that are raptured, will be taking place together. That is the first resurrection. That's when the farmer now comes to the field and took out the first fruits 
or the first resurrection because the first ones have been gone, have been taken. Then come the first resurrection, which is the general harvest. And then at the end of the things, or the farmer is planting there, we what we call the gleaning. The gleaning is when you now go to the field where there are some stragglers corn here, stragglers corn, and you pick them up before you burn the field again for new, for new harvesting, new, new plantation. You're going to do. You take them gleaning. In fact, in the days of uh, in the Hebrews, God said you don't need to glean. Let the poor take all those things that are left in the field after you're done your general harvest. Because when you are doing general harvest, there will be some little one that started producing fruit. When all the others are almost ripe, so those are all the ones that finally become the gleaning. So you take them out, you come to the maybe after three months of past harvest, you take them out before you burn the field because you are going to start something new. Also, that is the same process that God is using for harvesting the earth. The first fruit is already done, so that means that the harvest is coming. Christ is the first fruit with the dead sins that were taken with him to heaven. That's the first fruit. He said the first fruit is done. Now we are waiting for the general office, which is the rapture and the dead in Christ. That's the general office. When the dead in Christ and the rapture, we all go and meet in the earth. That's the general office. Then at the end of 1,000 years, when all the dead in Christ shall be, all the dead everywhere will be standing before God for judgment. Maybe there will still be some stragglers that are saved from being thrown to the lake of fire. That is what we are saying. Why they say the books are open and the books of life also is open. Anyone not found the book of life? Will be thrown in the lake of fire. That is the gleaning. If there's any things will be taken out of those people, it will be gleaning that happens in the end of all harvest when we are about to burn the field. You glean, see some few things, you give it to the poor. That's what you do in the in the field of corn. Or they let the corn, the poor come and glean. Let them glean whatever is left in the field before we burn the field. So that is what is going to take place. At the end of the 1000 years, when the Bible says in chapter 21 of the book of Revelation that all the dead are resurrected, Ooh, those that are dead in the sea, the sea throw them out, those that are dead that are in hell, hell give them up because hell and lake and death will be thrown to the lake of fire. You don't need any of those persons here anymore. And there may be some gleaning, but they will be very few, just like in the gleaning of any cornfield. So that is why we are warning people you better accept Christ that you that be part of the. General harvest when Christ will take his own people. That you see the general harvest in the book of Revelation chapter 19. The deep is sickle and the, uh, the heart is harvested. Now let's continue in this chapter 15. Apostle Paul was explaining this clearly to us and said, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward, afterward, is the Christ the first fruit, and afterward they that are Christ as is coming. Then come at the end, at the end of one thousand years, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Christ shall reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. So he's in heaven right now and he's reigning. And we are to reign with him on earth. And as we command here on earth, say it is done in heaven. So that's what the reign is. Until death itself is the last enemy. He said, The last enemy, he said, The last enemy that shall be destroyed is dead. And the physical death that is killing mankind will be the last enemy that shall be put away when there will be no more death. And that started by taking by allowing the believers to begin to call the day back to life right now 
Now you will have the authority to call the dead back to life. Not the resurrection yet, just calling them back to life that they ought not to die. That is giving us authority to call them back to life and cast them out. Now that's part of it. And then the last enemy shall be destroyed when the dead in Christ are resurrected back to life. And we that are alive, that are Christians, are suddenly changed to immortality. That's when the last enemy is finally taken care of, destroyed. No more death. For we that are translated. Verse for he has put all things under his feet, but when he said all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also be himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? I'm going to talk something more about those who are baptized for the dead. And I'm going to continue this in the next broadcast. This is a long sermon. I pray that the Lord will give you understanding as we continue in the next broadcast. Amen.